Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to Lighted Paths Radio. I'm your host, Claire Papan, and it's my hope that the information and interviews shared here continue to reach higher ground and offer inspiration that speaks to the heart and potential of today's evolving humanity and world. We have a wonderful guest today, Jacqueline Small. She's authored 10 books on personal transformation that include Sacred Purpose of Being Human, Transformers, The Therapists of the Future, Awakening in Time, and the best-selling book for counseling from the heart, Becoming Naturally Therapeutic. She holds degrees in human psychology, clinical social work, and applied music, and is the creator of Eusychia, a nonprofit educational institute that offers certification in psycho-spiritual integration and integrative breathwork. Jacqueline's body of work centers upon integrating psychological concerns while awakening spirituality. She has a long history in addiction counselor training, consulting, and counseling, and trains all kinds of health professionals in the emerging field of spiritual psychology. Jacqueline served as the director of training for the Texas Commission on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse, as well as having served on the adjunct faculty of the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology in Stanford, California. Sacred Inner Work addresses a strong yearning that many of us have to awaken to a new level of consciously knowing ourselves. It can support us in raising our consciousness beyond our ordinary way of being in life, and gain access to a more mysterious and awesome way of knowing ourselves, along with a sense of sacred purpose. Jacqueline is here today to offer some insight as to how we can actually do this transformational work. And Jacqueline, I know that for a very, very long time, this has been a topic that is very close to your heart. And I know that the inspiration came to you emerging into this field of work through your own inner work as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. I feel like I've been on this path forever. (laughs) Well, I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and thank you very, very much. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate being here, Claire. Well, listen, when we talk about raising of the consciousness, for those Uh who who may be new to this, this area of work, how would you describe that? What exactly is raising of the consciousness? Well, you know, um, I believe that we are evolutionary beings, that we are a part of the divine plan uh, that our creator made us to be, and that we have a maturation process that we go through as we begin to uh, gain the wisdom of life. And I think the only way we really gain the wisdom of life is through our actual experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, most people will probably agree with me that the times we tend to grow the most are when we've gone through some kind of a trauma in our life, you know, or some great um, sadness uh, came upon us where we had to deal with something, you know, that took us to the very core of our being. And uh, unfortunately, it does seem to be that that's the way we grow, that um, Mm -hmm. people who never seem to have any problem with life, you know, and don't ever have to think very deeply about anything, uh, remain more on the superficial surface of life where they're more outer-directed and they're looking outside of themselves to be successful and to, um, you know, just kind of live day to day. Uh, but people that um, tend to run deeper and mm-hmm. go inward more are quite often people who have been through some things in life where they've just really had to face some things that were, you know, life and death issues. And so with this inner work, this transformational work, 
that you're talking about, to be intentional about it and really sit down and do the work, of course, using some of the experiences in our lives that can point us in some of the directions of where we want to target some of those um, inner places that we want to do the work on. Um, Would you give us an example, perhaps, of what a process like that could look like? Well, I believe that there are probably three different uh, aspects to inner work that, again, I think most people will recognize. One is uh, study. Uh, You know, we read some of the greater writers in the world who have had wisdom, and we begin to collect ideas about life. And um, I know that um, often I would be reading something, you know, very uh, profound, and I would have what's called an aha experience, sort of like, oh, oh, yes, because it was tapping into a wisdom that I already had within myself. Mm-hmm. but had never thought about particularly having before, didn't know that I had that wisdom. But yet I would recognize wisdom when I could see it or read it. Mm-hmm. So study is a very important part of um, becoming, you know, more authentic as a self. Uh, another uh, very important aspect of it is meditation, some kind of inner process where we go inward. and we sit in quiet and just allow whatever wants to come up from our uh, psyche to show itself to us. So meditation, which, of course, is is really understood, I think, a lot better by Eastern people. Uh, You might think in the West we think of it more as contemplation. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the third aspect, which is the most difficult, is really going through the processes of what we call in our work death-rebirth sequences, where our ego dies to egoistic needs and begins to awaken more to the essential self, which frankly is not a needy self at all. It's just a self that is. Mm -hmm. I think of it as an isness. It's who we really are, and it doesn't have to prove itself to anyone in the world. It's not, it's not looking outside itself to try to become something other than it is. So does that make sense? Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it, very much. And, and you say that when we become inwardly, inwardly uh, united with our essential self, we see that we are both above the world and at the same time one with it. And we experience a more balanced perspective of what is essential and what is real. Would you uh, yes. elaborate on that? Well, um, uh, we have a self that can observe what we're doing as we're doing it. So we really are two different people living as one. <laughs> In, in, the, in Greek mythology, uh, we were called the twice-born, which meant that we were born of the flesh and also born of spirit. So we're both an ego personality and a soul. And the soul, uh, or the higher self, can watch what we're doing as we're doing it. So in our work, we call that the observer self. And as it observes in the moment what we might be saying or thinking or actually doing, uh, it can catch us and shift our way of being so that we become more authentic in the mm-hmm. moment. And if we use this as a, as a daily practice of just walking around remembering that we can observe what we're doing as we do it, we stay conscious. We don't go unconscious. Mm-hmm. If if you'll um, notice um, in your own life how any time you've made a mistake or kind of made a fool of yourself, uh, later you'll go, oh, God, who was that? I can't (laughs) believe I said that. Or, you know, what in me made me say that? Because you realize that it wasn't coming from your authentic 
nature. It was coming from some part of yourself that was angry or needy or, uh, you know, needed to prove itself or whatever. So, um, you know, the human psyche is made up of the true self, which is like our center or our core being. And then it's kind of surrounded, unfortunately, by subpersonalities that we have developed as we've come through life, quite often because we had to defend against something. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very important that we learn to recognize these subpersonalities when they take over uh, our, uh, our consciousness. Right. So that we can recognize them and not fuss at them so much. We we need to realize that any time a subpersonality like an angry self or a pitiful self, you know, takes over, it's because it thinks it's doing something to help us. Mm-hmm. So the way to do inner work around a subpersonality is to go within get a picture of this subpersonality in your mind, see it. And quite often what I hear from people is what they see is a little child. Mm. It's an immature self. And they will just say to it like you would to a little child who might be acting out. We say, um, what are you doing? What are you trying to do for me? Mm. And the little subpersonality will speak back. And it'll say, oh, well, I was showing everybody that you're right, or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so then you just have to let it know, thank you for wanting to help me, but I'm going to place you in my heart. And if you don't mind, I am not going to let you rule my life right now. So you can walk around with me in the world, but you can't be my boss. And so you just learn to have a dialogue like that with a subpersonality. Mm-hmm. And what happens is they integrate. And once a subpersonality integrates, we still might have the reaction sometime of coming from that place, but we catch it. We catch it before we act out on it. And we get so that we behave in the world in a much more relaxed, just easygoing person who's, you know, completely comfortable with ourselves. Because our inner world is feeling more comfortable, too. Yes. Uh, yes. We're realizing that we have, you know, both an outer world and an inner world. And um, I don't know if um, if everybody recalls this, but, um, you know, um, Solomon's Temple was headlined by the words, Man, know thyself. Because seeking the knowledge of the self is the way we learn to know God. And all of this kind of inner work got lost in the dogma of orthodoxy as we've come through history. And we have been taught to seek God and to seek truth outside ourselves, you know, through outside authorities or through the church or through a minister or through somebody who knows more than we know. And it's all fine you know, to study and to have a religion. But it's not fine for us to give ourselves away to anything or anyone that isn't coming from within. Because so getting, in the long run, that just never works. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, we need to uh, be a whole self and not fragmented into other parts of, as you say, subpersonalities, as well as allowing others to become more of a, an authority in our lives than our own inner wisdom. And getting lost in that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you talk about how getting there is, you know, it really is quite a journey of overcoming some of the attachments that are involved in this to all of these non-essential parts that we actually become seduced by exactly. while living in this world. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We become seduced really by materialism. So and how does it, that play uh, out? Some of the ways that you that you could give examples. I mean, there are some obvious ones for sure. Um, what are some that you would like to, to share with us that may not be so obvious? 
Well, um, I think that again, it's it's a matter of becoming observant. If you if you'll notice, a lot of people who are very very wealthy and have what you would consider in, in this material world to be everything, they have everything. They may they may not be happy. They may even be suicidal. So what's that about? Well, that's showing us something about life, that the outer uh, gatherings that we do of materialistic things in life doesn't bring us fulfillment. And sometimes, you, you know, quite the opposite. You find that people who are very poor and really have very little in the outer world are some of the most content, peaceful, wise people in the world. So um, I, I, think, I think that the main thing that I would want to say to people is we need to wake up. We need to start realizing there's a whole lot more going on here than we realize. And we actually came to this planet as spiritual beings, living and deciding to take on the human condition so that we could transform it and so that we could spiritualize it. And the only way that you can spiritualize something is by moving into it and becoming it. And uh, as you know, Claire, this is a world that's made up of dualism. You know, everything here has its opposite. So there's good and bad, right and wrong, um, up and down, <laughs> male and female. I mean, and everything has its opposite. And so we have to learn how to walk between the tension of these opposites and lift them to a higher, to a third and higher level so that we integrate everything in our life that we have judged or made wrong or thought had no purpose because everything in life that we experience has a sacred purpose, even the dark side of life. So and working so, to... Oh, uh-huh. Please continue. Yes, please continue. Well, working to integrate the tension of the opposites, where we, uh, what, what we'll notice about ourselves as we get sort of good at this, is that we're no longer judgmental. You know, we're not we're not gossiping about other people or putting other people down or thinking we're better than somebody else. We just kind of see everybody on this journey, and that we're all traveling it together, and. Um, all of us wind up with certain talents and gifts and uh, certain failings and certain things that we need to work out. And so if if we get very realistic about the acceptance of all of that, life starts becoming a beautiful, um, a, a really beautiful mystery yes, that we a beautiful just love journey. to live within. Well, one thing that I know, too, is, and I think you've spoken about this before, we not only become less judgmental about the outer world, but we become less judgmental about ourselves because we are in a process. This is a lifelong journey. For as long as we are here, we get to grow through these experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guilt and shame tend to vanish when we begin to see life more realistically. Sometimes, you know, for instance, we'll see that we've missed the mark on something. But instead of judging ourselves for it, we just learn to ask ourselves, what is it I'm trying to learn? And we see it as a learning process. I know that there are really beautiful examples of this. I think you've spoken one time about a triangle that where Mm -hmm. on the triangle... There, one side would be, say, one of those subpersonalities that you were talking about, and then uh-huh. on the other side would be, and I'll, I'll let you you describe it because you're so much better at it. Well, at the bottom of the triangle uh, are the opposites. Mm-hmm. You know, like for instance, the one that you're suggesting right now is the self that you are, and then the self that is not authentic. Perhaps a subpersonality we've developed because we needed it at the time. You know, at the time we develop uh, an angry self or a, 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 a protective self or a defensive self or whatever you want to call it, um, we needed it. 
we were probably little and we might have been being abused or mistreated or frightened. And so um, whatever it is that turns out to be the negative side of something is on one side of the bottom of the triangle, and on the other side is the positive. And so um, let's just say that you're trying to be successful about something. So you would put success on one side, and you would put unsuccessful on the other side. Then if you can close your eyes and visualize those two opposites, climbing together toward the top, something pops out as that third and higher thing that is a a whole new way of knowing yourself or of knowing that aspect of life. And again, it'll be that, aha, you know, oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And those ahas tell us that we already have wisdom that lives within us. Uh, and we need to learn to appreciate that more and respect it more and trust it more. And this is that integration process that you were talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And yes. so when we are in this place, we're we're recognizing this as a process. And I and here's here's one of the places that I that I know my for myself and for others that I know who are in their processes as well. We get the information. We begin working with it. Say, for example, the the um, the tool that you just shared with us with the uh, the triangle, uh-huh. and we work with it for a while, and we begin to feel like, oh, I got the handle on this. I now I've got something that's really working, and something could come in that happens where we're not feeling like it's flowing as well as we we thought we had stepped into. And uh-huh. then we begin to question our process. We begin to question ourselves. We we begin to uh, feel that we've we've fallen or or uh, tripped over something that we don't know what to do with next. And this is part of the process, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, because you know um, everything that we learn about life that has to do with our own inner work. It doesn't happen overnight, except rarely. <laughs> rarely there are those moments when something will just shift just immediately and it's gone forever. But that's a very, very rare exception. Usually we have to keep practicing something until one day we'll look around and we'll go, what happened to that jealousy I used to have? You know, I've realized I haven't felt it in months. And then you'll realize that something integrated. And and it usually integrates behind our back when we're not noticing it. And then later on in life we'll realize we no longer have that uh, negative quality that we once had that was bothersome. I think that's the way it works. And yeah. also I think that people need to be willing to go to workshops and to, um, to, to find uh, locations in life where they can work on themselves. You know, like, for instance, we'll be doing one of our workshops here in Austin um, the weekend of April 10th, starting on a Friday night and going through Sunday at noon. And we take three people through a process that we call integrative breath work, where people lie down on the floor and do deep breathing to evocative music for literally for two hours. Mm-hmm. And during that meditative process, uh, it seems that it stirs the emotional body and brings up any feelings that we might be carrying in our body that we need to release. Sometimes it'll be tears or sometimes it'll be some anger or hurt or sometimes it'll be ecstasy and joy. And we allow ourselves to just feel on through whatever comes up during that two-hour process. And quite often we feel very cleansed afterward because the body and the emotions have have a chance have had a chance to release themselves in the presence of other people that are doing the same work we are so there's no judgment everyone's there for the same purpose which is to work on themselves and then we have process groups where people talk about these things and 
we do artwork that enables us to express it. And um, there's a lot of that kind of work going on in the world now where people can find, you know, these avenues of uh, ways to undergo personal transformation. And you you hold these in Austin, Texas, several times a year, don't you? Yes, uh, they, we do. Um, we have a website that's E-U-P-S-Y-C-H-I-A dot com, Eusychia. In Greek, that means the well-being of psyche. You know, E-U like euphoria, but it's mm. Eusyche, <laughs> Eusychia. <laughs> Happy Psyche. <laughs> so Eusychia.com is where we can go to learn more about your workshops, when uh-huh. they you are held. And yes. Great. You've been doing this for a number of years. Yes, and I really don't work quite that much anymore. <laughs> I'm doing mostly writing now. But, uh, but I do show up at these workshops, and we have um, people that have been trained through the Eusychia process who are running this program, who are just beautiful, beautiful therapists and very, very open-minded and open-hearted. Now, I know that you have talked many times about the um, the evolution that humanity is going through and that this is the great awakening. Would you talk a little more about that? Now, how that is different from, you know, say, 10 years ago or more? Well, we're building toward a big shift in consciousness, and that's because, um, you know, the ways that we've been so caught up in materialism on this planet, uh, those ways are beginning to die. It's like we are beginning to recognize that they no longer serve us. And um, it isn't like we're walking away from everything in the world. It's nothing like that. But it's just that people are becoming more conscious. And, um, you know, there's such a thing as a quantum leap in consciousness that happens when enough people begin to do inner work that causes the the human psyche to shift. Um, In other words, everyone in the world doesn't have to do it to make this change happen. It's just that there has to be a, a, a large enough circle of people who do that the whole thing shifts. And suddenly we look around and we see that, uh, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, uh, even the business communities are becoming more enlightened and people are more uh, compassionate. People are filled with more uh, uh, caring for one another. And I think that we are headed toward more ways to express love. And um, we've had to come through a lot of egoistic um, living in order to get here. It's almost as though the little human ego had to uh, kind of be in charge long enough to become more mature so that it could become a vehicle for spirit. And we're carriers of spirit, you know. We're we're spiritual beings living in human bodies. And that's another thing that helps us grow is to build yourself a new story about who you are. And I know for me, the story that helps me so much is to realize that uh, that I'm connected to a group of beings that come from a higher dimension and that we've all dropped down here into this world to uh, assist in whatever way we can. And the way we assist is by willing, a willingness to take on the talents and the gifts that uh, are God-given, and express them in the world. In other words, those of you out there who have um, a talent for writing, get busy and write. Mm. And if you have a talent for speaking, become a speaker. Uh, You see what I'm saying. Yes, I do. And this is part of the sacred mission that you're talking about. And we're all on a sacred mission. It's just that so many people have gone to sleep and are just walking around in a sleep state, you know, just doing whatever they do all day, going to bed at night, getting up in the morning, doing it again, and not thinking about it. But uh, And then, of course, some kind of crisis happens in our life where we suddenly realize, oh, 
wow, Whew, life is trying to show me something. Yeah. And even when we are in the process of this work, and we, and we, many of us, many of the people who are listening now, many of you out there, have done inner work, whether it is, <clears throat> whether it's through workshops or, <clears throat> excuse me, your own meditative practice, uh-huh. <clears throat> whatever it may be, um, many people have. And when something happens that may be a new crisis in our lives. It is it is something that also um, is part of our next level, part of our next um, leg of the journey where we become more of that integration that you're talking about. We yes. we take yes. on another level of it. So another it's not level. about judging ourselves. Oh my goodness, I must have made a mistake somewhere along the line because now uh-huh. I have this crisis. It's mm-hmm. simply another part of that next level. Uh-huh. Right. Like uh, in my case, five years ago, my son died. And um, I thought that I was quite comfortable with death. I had even been, you know, going around the country sometimes saying that out loud. (laughs) You know, that, oh, yes, I know about death. And, you know, death is good. Death is a part of life. Da, 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 da. And suddenly I was faced just right here in front of me the archetype of death. And I couldn't escape it because my son was dying, and he did die. And I had an opportunity for really the first time in my life to be face-to-face with the death of someone I was that close to, somebody I loved that much. And it brought my full attention to the whole archetype of death. And I learned things about death that I had never would have learned any other way. And that's an example, you know, of what can happen. It's not that things things happen in life because we've made mistakes, although that's true as well. <laughs> uh, it just happens because that's how this life is. You know, the life here in the human world is is fraught with uh, prediction, uh, predicaments and pain and suffering, and also joy. It's all here. And there's no way to try to pretend to be joyful when you're not. And there's no way to try to pretend to be compassionate and loving when you're not. These are qualities that have to come from within the self and that have to come from our authenticity. So I would say that becoming authentic uh, becoming who God sent us here to be is the highest spiritual work we can ever do. Psychological and spiritual work go together. There's no way to mm-hmm. separate them. Yeah. In other words, you can't have a, a true spirituality when you have an unhealthy psyche because the psyche will do weird things with your spirituality, you know, like become dogmatic or become judgmental or, you know, walk around preaching things that um, you've memorized that really aren't even a part of you, which we see sometimes in fundamentalism of any kind. Would you say that uh, working with the psyche so that we have a more balanced place between the psyche and and spirituality together would be just taking it to that level of the deeper meaning of our feelings, our attitudes, our beliefs? Mm-hmm. Or whenever something, uh, whenever you're questioning something, you can ask yourself, what is the sacred purpose of this? You know, why why would this be happening to me right now? Or why would I be focusing on this right now? What is the purpose? And when, and, and the answers that we give ourselves are unique. They come from us. They don't come from somebody outside ourselves. So there's no right or wrong about it. It's just getting into the clarity of um, who we are and what we're here for mm-hmm. and living our bigger story. You know, we don't go around talking about our bigger story that much, but we learn to live it. 
that mm-hmm. we are spiritual beings who've come here for the purpose of evolving the human kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the human kingdom is an absolutely incredible aspect of God. It's like God coming into physical form. So we have to grow into that. Yes, it's such a an interesting um, paradox because we are that and we grow into it at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, we were born as that. But yeah. we have to, but I, th- I think what it is is we were born into the human condition. Mm. And I believe, you know, my my belief is that we have come from a dimension that was spiritual. And so we've had to learn how to be human. A lot of people think we're having to learn how to be spiritual. We already are spiritual. We're having to learn how to be human. Mm. And, you know, we do make mistakes. The, the most advanced beings on the planet make mistakes. And and it's, if, if you look back over your life, what you'll see is every time you've made a big mistake in your life, it was because you stepped into something that you accidentally did because you didn't mm-hmm. know any better. You just did it. And it was something that you were still unconscious about. And whatever it was you had to go through to learn to be conscious was bringing you more into the perfection of being human. You know, we're supposed to wind up very compassionate and loving and wise because that's who we truly are. And Jesus came to bring us the law of love, and the Buddha came to bring us the law of wisdom. So we've had a lot of great beings on the planet that have really helped us along by modeling these these higher qualities for us. As you say, living it. And living it. <laughs> yes, they lived yeah, it. Living it is, is how it has, to, it has to manifest through us. I don't yeah. remember who said this, but it, it was a, a wise teacher who said, shared this story of someone who, uh, when, he, when he in his own inner world was speaking to God and, and asking God for forgiveness for something, a mistake he had made, he he heard an answer from God that said, you know, my child, you don't have to ask for forgiveness for something that I did as you. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I always remember that one. Yeah. So in yeah, this the, process... The essence, the essence of the human being is a God self. And, you know, frankly... Uh, I, I I would say that it probably takes many lifetimes, even though I haven't ever gotten into the study of reincarnation that much. I just personally believe it makes sense that we've had to live many times in order to come all the way through the maturity that we have to come through to perfect mm-hmm. ourselves in this world. And the many different um, types of lives that can help culminate that as well, and maybe perhaps not even earthly lives. Maybe not. You yeah. know, it's such a mystery, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure is. I just and love so it. many schools of thought to embrace and uh-huh. and explore, and and then once again, as you have said earlier, go into your own inner wisdom and ask, uh-huh. you know, what it is that your inner wisdom knows uh-huh. and shares. And so you've spoken about how it's meditation that's one of the primary ones that supports us in the inner work. Are there any particular meditation practices that you do that support you in this? Yeah, the breath work. The breath work. And uh, people can do this on their own uh, if they're willing to, to really separate themselves off from everybody else for a few hours and give themselves plenty of time and just pick out music that you love and lie down on the floor and do deep breathing. And it seems to me that the breath is some sort of a magical force that 
if you breathe deeply for several minutes, you will find yourself going into an altered state of consciousness that gives you a wider perspective of who you are and what life is. It's as though it opens up the psyche or opens up our mind to aspects that we're normally sort of closed off from. And um, there's just nothing more important for us than learning to know ourselves. I know in the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the Gospels that is considered a Gnostic Gospel, it wasn't put in the Bible, it says when you know yourself, then you will be known, and you will know that you are the child of the living Father. But if you do not know yourself, you will live in vain, and you will be that vanity. Whoever knows the all but fails to know himself lacks everything. Mm. So, wow. um, you know, uh, there's, so, there's so much about uh, our religion that we've never really understood because we just sort of memorized the Bible or whatever, uh, you know, path we're following, and we just kind of take it for granted. But I know uh, I've noticed so much lately that in the Christian Bible, over and over when Jesus was speaking, he would say, to use to you who have ears to hear. Or he would say, I'm giving this message to the worthy. And I don't believe that he was being judgmental when he said those things. I think he was telling people, those of you who are willing to go within and really study and work on yourselves will understand my message. But those of you who are unwilling to do that won't get it. You just won't get it. Because they'll stay in all of the sub-personalities. Uh-huh, they stay than... out or directed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking outside themselves to find fulfillment. So, now, you I know, wanna... in, the, in, the, in the Gnostic Gospels, it's all about turning within. The, the Gnostics were the original followers of Jesus, and what they tell us is that they knew as an absolute fact that Jesus' main message to us was go within and find God within yourself. In fact, there was even a place where he said that um, he called... Um, uh, bishops and priests and outer authorities, he called them dry canals. Mm. Wow. He said there will be others who have rece- who, who tell you they've received their authority from God, and they bind themselves under the judgment of their leaders, and those people are dry canals. He was saying, no. trust yourself. You're, you're God-made, and you've forgotten. You've forgotten who you are. Wake up. And I've come here to tell you who you are. And I think all the really great beings that have been here on the planet have come to tell us that. And so this is the nature of the new book that you're writing about. Yes. I I have gotten inspired around uh, trying to remind us all, including myself, who we really are and what we really came here to be. And all of my books have been pretty much on this theme, but I feel like, you know, as time goes by, I get inspiration around a different way to approach it. And so uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm writing a book about the secret teachings of Jesus that have been lost to us for 1,600 years because orthodoxy had its own reasons for developing Christianity the way they did. And since I feel like most of the people in the United States that, uh, are uh, who, who have a religious life are Christian, you know, it seems to be the largest uh, religious life that we have here in this country, I thought I would just focus on that, even though I don't go to church anymore and haven't in ages. <laughs> <laughs> and I meet a lot of people within. that. Yeah, I meet a lot of people today who do feel that they're very spiritual, but they they you know, they just don't get anything out of church services anymore. So everything has to evolve, you know, and our churches need to evolve. Our way of knowing God needs to evolve. 
and certainly our way of knowing ourselves is an ongoing evolutionary process. Some of our listeners may be interested in knowing how they can uh, find your books. Well, I think if they go to that website, would be the best way. Eusychia.com. Uh-huh. Okay, good. And yeah. then when your new book comes out, of course, you'll let us know. I'll have you back on the show so you can share more oh, great. on this as well. Yes. Yeah. And right. and I know you mentioned to me that you, you welcome people to reach out to you, and one of the best ways for them to do that is through your email address. Yes, because I don't do Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, Facebook just baffles me, but I love email. And I really, really enjoy hearing from people. So your email is Jackie at Austin.rr.com. And I want to spell Jackie because some people do spell it differently. It's J-A-C-Q-U-I-E at Austin.rr.com. And, of course, if you are looking at the uh, the page where this interview is being aired, you'll find it in the description as well, where you can just see it visually. Eusychia.com is the website as well. We still have some more time, and I and I would like to invite you to share some more, because there is so much more we can talk about. One of the things I was wondering about when you were talking about how people can actually do the breath work on their own, in their own homes, you were talking about the deep breathing and listening to music that that you really love. I, I'd like to just know a little more detail about that. For instance, when you're doing the deep breathing, you're not talking about hyperventilating. You're talking no. about a certain type of breathing. It's Would just you describe breathing, it? Uh, very quietly, really. Uh, very simply. Just taking deeper breaths. Like that. Mm-hmm. With a relaxation in between each breath, it's not it's not panting. Right. Okay. And Good. as you do deep breathing, and I'm talking about when I say evocative music, I'm talking about music without words, because you're not trying to be programmed by anybody else's message. And sometimes it'll be music that comes from soundtracks, or it'll be different aspects of classical music. Uh, that perhaps have some uh, heart, heartfelt music uh, connected with it. Because what we're trying to do in this kind of work is we're opening the heart. And when the human heart opens, uh, it has a way of spilling out whatever it's been holding on to. And sometimes that's pain and suffering from our past. Uh, like you might have a grief process you've not completed or you might have some hurt that comes from, you know, way back when you were a little child that you've been carrying in your body. And also we have a lot of ecstasy and joy in our psyche that we have blocked, that we don't ever get a chance to express. Um, And so all of this can come forth uh, just in the quietness of your own living room, you know, where no one is there but you. And it's very important, if you do this work, for you to to write about it afterward. Journal it so that you can look at what you experienced. And what we find is that the psyche brings us things quite often through pictorial images. You know, we'll have a whole image of something going on in our mind or a whole storyline going on in our mind. And that's the way a lot of times that uh, the intuitive psyche speaks to us. It's through symbol and through metaphor and through mythology even. Great. It's, a wonder- it's, it's, it's a wonderful aspect of our self that we don't take enough time to do because we get so caught up in the outer life. I mean, I'm sure you notice, and I certainly notice, that Every morning I get up and there's a hundred things I have to do that day. So I'm rushing around in my car, going here, going there, running errands, uh, doing what I think is so important, and then the day is over. 
and frankly, that's the way we spend most of our days. Uh, and, of course, some people have full-time jobs that they have to go to all day long. So it's difficult to find time to go within. It is. Yes, it is. For people who have very hectic schedules like that, where would you recommend people create those patches of time where they can do that? And, and this is, of course, is unique to anyone. But the, you may there there may be places in our lives or in our day that we take for granted for opportunities to do that. Well, and I think uh, what has to come first is a commitment. You know, a willingness to to say to ourselves, you know what, I need to do some inner work. I haven't worked on myself in a long time. I've just allowed, you know, the outer world to take me over. And a lot of people have small children, and, of course, it's just extremely um, difficult to find any time to yourself when you're raising children because they just demand all of our attention. <laughs> so... People have to individually decide when is a good time of the day that I could have 30 minutes to myself. And someone may decide, for instance, they have to get up an hour earlier. Or someone else may decide they have to put their children to bed an hour earlier. Or, you know, it's just going to always be uh, an individual decision. But I think everyone knows what I'm talking about, that we have to make a commitment to find... Uh, you know, sort of like we commit to go to a health club. I think just about everybody's doing that these days. So, you know, people are committing to work on their bodies, which is great. But we just also need to commit to work on our emotions and our heart and our minds, you know, and our spiritual awakening. So once that commitment is made, doors begin to open, opportunities become more visible to us. Mm-hmm. We may yes, have to and, speak if we have a partner in our life. We may have to speak with our partner and and uh, collaborate on. Well, you know, I want to take some time here for some inner work. Uh-huh, would you right. please? You, would would this be a good time for you to to take care of the children or take care of this other thing while exactly. I take this time? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? What I've learned too about people is we differ in that. Some people learn better through study, you know, through reading and maybe taking notes and maybe underlining things with a yellow pencil and all of that. Other people learn more through uh, just quietly meditating. And uh, other people learn more through things like dance and movement and things that, that activate the body. So we need to honor whatever it is that draws us. And... Um, I know for myself, uh, philosophy helps me a lot. But that's because I'm a writer, and I think that that all sort of goes together. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, everyone needs to, you just need to get to know yourself and really trust what it is that works best for you. Don't try to model after somebody else. Be yourself. Another thing that happens in this process is, our lives begin to shift, our energy shifts, our view shifts, and this if we're in a relationship with someone, whether uh-huh. it is a, a partner or even with our children or family or coworkers, then sometimes that affects those relationships as well. What are some of the things that you would, would like to share about that? Because I know you have some really you know good thoughts on that. Well, I know that... Um I personally believe that we need to be around people that are supportive of our way of working on ourselves. And if you're living in a life where you've got family members or friends who put you down for that or who are constantly picking fights with you or causing you to be upset, you probably need to consider leaving those relationships just stepping aside from them. You don't have to make it a big dramatic deal, but just spend time away from them. Uh, I know a lot of people feel obligated that they've got to stay around someone that's really very harmful uh, to their process. And I think that we have to take charge there and not allow that to be the case. 
So it may even be a temporary um, hiatus from mm-hmm. uh, interacting in that relationship for um, whatever your process is to have more of a um, supportive energy around it without the uh-huh. interjection yeah. of this person that is that is reflecting too much on you in, in that regard. That's why it helps so to go to these workshops that I, we were talking about because you'll meet people that are, you think of them as your soul family. Because it's people that are coming together that are pretty much in the same place with themselves. Yeah. You know, they're seeking a way to know themselves better or to let go of something that was bothering them, that's bothering them from their past, or mm-hmm. to take on something like more understanding of what their life's purpose is or what their future uh, is bringing them. It's not always about the past. Sometimes it's about a future that's coming toward us. And in some cases when there are, um, you know, a, someone in our life that, that it may be useful to sit down and, and just share with them what this is that's going on in your life. And they, of course, they can take it for, for whatever way they take it. Mm-hmm. But to have an opportunity to share in that way, I'm going through a process. I'm learning some new things about myself. I'm taking my life to the next level. I'm wanting to learn um, how to be better in the outer world as well as my inner world. And things may look different to you while I'm going through this process. But I just simply ask you to know about it so that as you see me going on this walk, doing this journey, you, you'll you have a better understanding of, of what's behind this for me. And that could be a useful thing as well, just communicating with people in our lives. Well, and also that's modeling something beautiful for whoever you're talking to because you're being completely authentic and you're willing to be vulnerable. I mean, to me, that's just beautiful. There are some amazing I wish everybody, I think, think what kind of world we would have if everyone were willing to work on themselves. Mm. So often, you know, some of the meanest people in the world, uh, if you confront them about their meanness, they'll say, well, that's just who I am. And that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why, why does that have to be who you are? What in the world have yeah. you not worked through? <laughs> and thankfully, like you have said earlier in the conversation, when when you said there is a certain number of people on the planet that is really doing deep work, like what you're talking about, this transformational work, and uh-huh. that will spill over into yes. other places and support everyone yes. in the process. If you picture the human psyche as just one big circle, and you 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 can see that uh, that parts of it are still dark, or unenlightened, let's say. Then, the more of us who can do inner work, we're bringing more and more light into the one psyche of humanity, of which we are all a part. And so, at some point, uh, it becomes lighter. Mm-hmm. And this is the gift. This is the gift that we get to experience in doing this process. So once again, I'd like to uh, remind everyone that if you would like to be in touch with Jacqueline, you can uh, reach her through her website. Find out more about her through her website. Find out about her books there as well. Eupsychia.com, E-U-P-S-Y-C-H-I-A.com. Her email address is Jackie at austin.rr.com. That's J-A-C-Q-U-I-E. And Jackie, any closing thoughts? Well, I want people to know that I really mean it when you say to email me. I love to get emails from people. So don't hold back just because you think you shouldn't contact me. Please do. And we can dialogue about anything that you want to talk about. This is great. Thank you once again. I know that I know you've given us a lot to think about and a lot to support us on our walk because uh, this is exactly what we're doing. We're all Absolutely. in this together. It's we the are. journey we're all taking together, Claire. And thank you so much for the beautiful work you do. 
I it's an honor, believe me. <laughs> I I learned so much from it. Jackie, we'll have you back again soon. Take good All care. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. I want to just thank you as well for tuning in and joining us here on Lighted Paths Radio. And you can connect with me through my website, lightedpaths.org. You can also find information there about my book, Mary's Miracles and Messages, A True Story of a Visionary's Journey, as well as on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Please join us again for more enlightening conversations. Be well and peace, everyone. <music>